Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. We have with us today Rodrigo Jimenez, and he is going to tell you about this upcoming race. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Welcome, Rodrigo. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start with the first question that I always ask ultra racers. And my question is, why? (laughs) Well... It's there's a big story behind it, but you know, everything kind of started because my kids and my wife we were having breakfast years ago, and they and it was the the one level one hundred one. It was just done, uh, and this is like six years ago. And one a coworker of my wife, she did not finish because of the cutoff time. So my kids, as we're having breakfast, they're like, "Dad, why don't you do it?" And sure enough, the next season. I was signed up. So your family had you sign up for it. That's really unusual. <laughs> you know, we started kind of joking about it, but yeah, in a way, that's how that's how it happened. And so, when did you first know that you were an athlete? I don't know. I, I guess as I started running, because you know, before that, I never did any running. So that could, one. Could I ask how old you are now? Yeah. How old are you now? I'm 41. You're 41. And yeah. so what, how old were you when you started running? Uh, 36. So not that long ago. No. You just started running when, you know, when you were 36. Yeah. And your first race, what was your first race? Do you remember it? Was it? The, it was the uh, 50 here in Leadville. And the reason that I signed up for that one, it's because other people started telling me, dude, you, you shouldn't go to a 100-mile run without any other runs before. And I'm like... I suppose. And then, uh, I mean, I didn't know anything. So uh, however it happened, I signed up for the 50. The 50 run. Yes. And that was my first run ever. Oh, come on. (laughs) So I don't know, you know, I guess I found out that I was an athlete after I finished the 50, I suppose. (laughs) How did you you do? How did you place? I I did good. Uh, My placing, I think I was 55th overall. Um, I did like nine hours and five minutes. And that was really, really good. At least that's what I understood from other people, you know, that knew about the run better than me. So tell how how much did you run before you did the 50, though? I mean, did you train for it? You know, I actually did train because, like I said, I signed up for the 100. So I knew I had to train. And that was kind of part of the things that I told my family when they were asking me that one morning, you know, having breakfast. I was like, you know, you can achieve pretty much anything you decide to do as long as you get yourself prepared for, you know, and and I thought I I was doing good. But, you know, if you think about it, um, when I started training, my body wasn't used to it at all. So there was a lot of injuries, unfortunately, uh, but I managed to do okay and finish the 50. And you had no problem with breathing with the altitude you've lived in. You lived here for about 20 Two years? Yeah, for right around 22 years. So, yeah, the altitude, it wasn't a problem for me. But uh, 
I think the the injuries on the process, like my knees, it was really bad at the beginning, you know. But uh, again, I think I managed to survive and did okay. You you obviously did. So you did the fifty the first year, mm-hmm. and did you do the hundred the next year? No, no, the, the same, same year. Year, yes, the same, oh. which which is like four weeks, five weeks after that. Right. So you just completed the marathon this past weekend. Yes. And were you happy with your yes finish? You know, uh, I always have really high expectations. Uh, I set really high goals. And I have like three different things that I always tell myself uh, or goals. One of them, it's like a crazy goal, right? I'm going to shoot for this time. And it might not be reachable, but I'm working for that. The second goal, it's always try to be my PR or my PR. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, it's, you know, if something happens out there, at least I got to finish. So that's how I always see my, my runs, my races. All right. Okay. So you did your first 50 and your first 100 the first year you really started running. Correct. And how many races have you done since then how many how many lead men when did you decide that you were going to be a lead man well um you know how many races i'm not sure i would need to kind of go back and kind of think about it but lead men um i have finished uh four times i'm going for my fifth this year and the reason that i decided to do lead minutes because so the first year that i signed up for the 100 i actually did not, did not finish I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know anything about the race after, like, for the la- for the next two three weeks because I was really hurt. It went. It hurt a lot. Was it was it more physical that stopped you, or what what stopped you? It, the physical stopped me, but mentally too. Uh, and the reason that I say the physical did it's because I got shin splints, and I couldn't walk. The last mile that I did, it took about 45 minutes. And I don't know if you know the course of the 100. It's over at Hagerman. It was like mile 85. And in that mile, it's it's actually a little downhill on a perfect dirt road. There's no rocks. There's no branches. There's not nothing. And I remember telling me, my wife was uh, pacing with me. We were basically walking super slow. And um, I was like, because I was hurting really, really bad. So I was like, you know, just keep track of this mile. Because I knew the area. I had run training, you know, a lot on that area. So I knew it was about a mile of this beautiful road. And it took me right around 45 minutes. So before I went into the Colorado Trail, uh, which it's kind of technical, I was just like, I'm not going to go in there. Cause but you were 85 miles into the 100? Yes. When you Oh, shin splints are incredibly painful. I know that. They are. Oh. Yeah, I, I lost five toenails too. It was bad. I think a lot of people lose toenails. Yeah, it's kind of common, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. What are toenails for anyway? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right, so your fourth lead man competition, someone told me you won. Mm. Lead man. Did you win lead man? I was second. Second? Second overall. Okay. Yeah. Second second overall. Out of yeah. how many participants do you know? I think it was close to a hundred, maybe ninety, I'm not sure. So you so you figured it out. How did you cure your shin splints? You know, um, well, like I was saying, after the one year, the first year that I didn't finish, 
I didn't want to know anything about the race for the next two, three weeks. But then, like week four, whatever it was, I knew I had to come back and get it done. And and to do that, I knew I had to train. So and it was something weird kind of happened because when when they opened for registration, um, I think I did it pretty quick. And I want to say I did it after registration opened. I think I waited like three, four days. I'm not sure. And the run was sold out. No. Yes. So I was like pretty mad and pretty. But but wait, my understanding is is that if you live in Leadville, you can you're in. Um, I have heard that on the bike, but uh, I'm not sure, and I never checked into it. Oh. So what I did, um, I I did some research, and I knew I could sign in as a letterman, and that's how I started doing the letterman. Oh, because you were just you just were going to do the run and you couldn't get in, but if you signed up right. for lead man, that'd take you. Yes. Because because only crazy people do that. Yes, only crazy people <laughs> do that. <laughs> and that's the way I got in. And you know, I got in with a mentality that I wasn't gonna do the the mountain bike. That it was just my ticket to get in and on the process, you know, of training and I don't know if I had done the marathon. Eddie, my oldest son, he's like that. You have the opportunity to do something really, really good. And you're doing something really good. But you have the opportunity to do something greater than that. You just do the bike and it's going to be fine just, and it'll be just, better. Just do the bike. So had you biked before? Never. Did, no, cut it out. I, I mean, I, I knew how to ride a bike, but I never did anything, especially on the, a mountain bike. You oh, know? my gosh. It was pretty scary. <laughs> and so... The Leadman series includes the 50-mile mountain bike, which is, my understanding is, it's far more technical than the yes. 100. Yes, but it also has the 50-mile run. And on those two, you get to choose which one you want to do. Yes. And I have always done the run. Okay. And, <laughs> and so you have you not done the 50 bike here yet? No. Oh, well, according to one of our prior lead men, and I won't say who it was, uh-huh. he believes that you're not a true lead man unless you do both of those that <laughs> that weekend. I, but I have heard that. Yep, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not buying that. I yeah. So your first time on a mountain bike was when? Well, when, like when. Was it that first year that you decided to be a lead man was the yes. first time you got on a mountain bike? Yes, that's correct. I mean, I, I did. And, and it's funny because I, I, at that time, I was keeping track of my training miles on the bike and the run and stuff. And I would have to go back to my to my spreadsheet. And I probably logged like 300 miles of training, which I don't think it's very many to be able to get that race done. Did you go to any of the training camps here, or did you have someone train with you? No. The first uh, three years, everything I did, it was pretty much on my own. And a little bit of comments here and there for from other runners and riders, but not necessarily like I would train with someone, you know. Your son? You have how many children? I have uh, three boys, and uh, one's 18, one 15, and a little one that it's seven. Okay. Did any of them ride with you? No, no? they don't like to ride. <laughs> <laughs> this, so is, no. this is amazing. You just uh, okay. So this is a real testament to people out there listening, because I've heard this before, and, and I've asked this question: Can can anyone do these races? 
And some people will say yes if you're committed enough to it. Yeah, I I believe in that statement. <laughs> if you really put your mind and effort, you can accomplish it. <sighs> okay. So during your long races, who supported you out in the at the aid stations? Did you have any did you have your family supporting you or Yes, and and right now I think my family is the biggest crew every year on the 100 run. <laughs> but uh yes, it has been my family all the time and some friends, you know, uh, my sister from Avon and her husband and their kids. So yeah, I have a lot of people supporting me when when we're racing. Do you ride for yourself? Do you ride for anyone in, in uh, particular? Does anyone sponsor you? Or? No, just for myself. Just for yourself. What do you What are you wearing this year? Um, for like a advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the, for the bike, uh, nothing special. You know, just the kit that I buy. You know, just shorts and a shirt. Right. No one's. No one has said wear my shirt. No, I uh, for the bike. There's this uh, company that gave me a, a, a full kit, but uh, but yeah, they're not longer on business. So <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, no new equipment though, right? You're not gonna wear. You're not gonna wear or use anything new this year, are you? No, I'm gonna uh, for the bike. I'm gonna use the same bike uh, I used last year. And what kind of bike is that? It's a specialized Epic. Okay. What do you eat during the hundred bike? Um, so my wife makes me this shakes, um, and they have, um, uh, Herbalife products with fruits and veggies and stuff. She all know the recipe. I don't know it. Okay. But it's, it's some shakes that every eight station, I usually drink about eight ounces to 10 ounces of this shake. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, in between I have the what they have at the aid stations, like the goose and stuff like that. And sometimes I might have a bite of a sandwich or something, you know, kind of like that. Does your body tell you what you want and what you can tolerate? You know, on the bike, uh, it manages. I, I actually don't struggle that much with, uh, with food, which is really good. That's, yeah, that's huge. How about the 100 run? So tell me your fastest time for the 100 run. Before you hear about Rodrigo's fastest run time, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Rodrigo Jimenez about his race experience with the Leadville Race Series. And I hope you might consider becoming a patron of my Alligator Preserves podcast as a one-woman operation. I would greatly appreciate your contributions. That will enable me to maybe buy myself a strong cup of tea and maybe even a gluten-free brownie each month. Go to patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves and see how you can support my work. And now stay tuned as we hear more from Rodrigo, his experiences, and he's got some great tips for new racers and not-so-new racers. Now, so, listeners out there, remember that this is this is a non-stop event. Right. You don't lay down and sleep and take breaks, <laughs> really. You go through aid stations, but what was your fastest time running 100 miles through the mountains over, at over 10,000 feet? So it was this last year, and it was 1923. Uh, and for the first time, I didn't uh, sit down for a second. Uh, when I was at the aid stations, uh, I was standing to make it quick. 
And I don't know how long I was spending at the aid stations, but I want to say towards the end, it kind of, you kind of lose uh, conscious. So you're not sure whether you're there for two minutes or five minutes. You lose track of time. Right. But I don't think I stayed even at the very end, uh, more than three to five minutes. Um, I want to say it was an average of two to three minutes on the aid stations. Um, but, uh, like I said, I never sit down for not even a second. Why? What would happen if you sat down? I don't know. Um, all the years before that, I would sit down from like, once I got to make, uh, to Twin Lakes in the morning, which is like almost 40 miles and, you know, maybe five minutes, maybe even more than five minutes. And I kind of noticed that once you get back to running again, it kind of hurts more for a little bit. And... The other thing is that I wanna, I wanted to improve my time. That was like a big goal of mine. And I kind of went back to my splits the year before, from the year before. And I don't know, I think I probably last close to an hour. So that alone, I was like, at aid stations. Yes. Okay. That alone, I knew it was going to be a huge difference. And you're still spending a little bit of time. But, you know, if you spend an hour versus a half an hour, that's a big difference That's at the it. end. Right, yes. right. So uh, different foods during the run. What do you tolerate well during the run? Uh, same same uh, sh- uh, shake that my wife makes me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just try to eat, um, whether it's a goo. Uh, I like to grab fruits when I go through aid stations. Uh, but then whatever I take in between the aid stations... I try to take little bites. Like I take a little bite right now and I keep running for five, 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, more like five minutes. And then I, if it's a coup, I suck on it for a, you know, a little bit and another five minutes, I do the same thing. So, so that keeps the calories constant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, it's not like you throw a bunch of food into your stomach that your stomach's not going to be able to process all the running, all the pounding. Your blood goes down to your feet, so mm-hmm. you know your stomach's. It, it works harder to to make it work. Have you ever needed or used pulls? You know, I tried them one year, and I took them from Winfield. I'm sorry, from Twin Lakes to Winfield, uh, and I used them on the way off, up. Uh, of course, uh, I didn't use them coming down, and I left them at Winfield because I did not like them. I never trained with them, and I haven't trained with them. So I don't think I'll use uh, poles uh, for now. Okay. So 19 hours. Was it dark? Did you run through the night? Yes. And I've heard some people see hallucinations. They see things. Uh huh. Did you have any hallucinations? I haven't seen anything, but I, and it's, I don't know, it's kind of funny because not last year, but probably the year before, coming back from um, from Turquoise, you know, I'm probably, we were probably within four miles of the finish line. You're kind of walking by the railroads. And it gets kind of chilly in that section because there's a creek close. And I don't know, it just gets chilly uh, there. So I had a hoodie and then I had my a jacket, a lightweight jacket, and this jacket's making some weird noise on my on my back. <sighs> and I didn't realize that that's what it was making the noise. So every time I would rub on my head or something, I would think that someone was walking behind me. <laughs> and it got kind of scary for a little bit until I realized it was that. But there were probably 15, 20 minutes that I was like, 
Who's, confused. Yeah, who's following me that close? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of following you, not that they should follow you, but have you had pacers coming back from the yes. 50? Every every time I had pacers, and it's it it's a lot of help. Have have they always been able to keep up with you? Yes. This last year, which was my fastest one, uh, my son Eddie, um, he has been helping me for the last two, three years over Hope Pass. And this year, uh, he was, he had been sick uh, with a cold. So, you know, we grabbed the stuff over at Winfield. We start hiking and, you know, I have my goal and I have my pace and I'm going really strong. And I noticed that I'm going faster than him. And, you know, there's like three miles before you start hiking up to Hope Pass. And, you know, he's like heating up and we're like kind of thinking he we need to stop or slow down and and I think you know not that I really slow down but I was like kind of concerned for mm-hmm. a little bit because mm-hmm. I even asked him because he's carrying the bag right with right. the water with the food with everything and I was like let me help you oh <laughs> <laughs> and I know it, it was because he was he was sick yeah um so there's a couple of small uh, streams towards the top and, you know, we make it to the last one uh, that's really close to tree line. And he kind of get, gets himself wet on the head and stuff. And that kind of helped him. And then there was like a pretty, there was a, a storm that year for a little bit. And uh, Winfield side, it was beautiful. But then on Twin Lake side, it was hailing and it was raining and it was windy. So we got just a few sprinkles of that rain and it kind of helped him, you know, to keep in pace. And after that, it was all good. And this is a race in August. Right. Everybody out there. And so just to know that it can hail and storm and be quite, quite cold up in the mountains. Yeah. So I heard about the one time that you stopped because of shin splints. Were there any other races you started that you had thoughts of quitting? Not necessarily thoughts of quitting, but so I finished the first year I did not finish. And then I signed up the second year as Letterman and, you know, everything goes really good. And we start the 100 run. And when we get to turquoise, which it was like mile six, my knee, one of my knees, it's giving me trouble that early on the race. Mile six into a hundred mile race. Right. Okay. And, you know, I'm just thinking, just stick with it. It'll be, go away. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Just focus on the run. You know, kind of try to think on everything else, but not the pain on the knee. And that kept going for a while. We were, we were on top of Sugarloaf. I think it's like my 18. And then there's this runner, a friend that used to live here, Jay Jump. And he goes by. You know, he's running pretty, really good. And, and I kind of stopped him because he sees me kind of limping and, and he's like, Hey, well, is everything good? And I'm like, nah, my knee's giving me trouble. I like, but you don't worry about it. You do your race. But, uh, if you see my family down there, uh, our bound, just let him know that I'm okay, but I'm a, a little slower. And that, at that time, I was like, this is going to be hard. 
you know, and I make it down to the aid station hourbound and I see my family and they're a little concerned because it took me more than what we had estimated. Mm -hmm. And I remember me telling them, you know, prepare yourselves mentally for a 30 hour run. Ooh. Because this hurts, uh, but I'm not planning to stop. Okay. Then something really special happened. So we're at the aid station and I know I have extra shoes. I have socks. I have other things, right? But they didn't have them ready because they were already waiting for me at the aid station. Uh, luckily from there to pipeline, it's only like a four mile run. And I told them, get my shoes, this other shoes out, get some socks, get me whatever I thought it was going to be needed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of walked those four miles. And I was getting like, I don't know, crazy, I suppose, crazy ideas. Because lately they've been taking us through this uh, grassy section. Mm-hmm. They're uh, hour bound. Uh, it's probably about a mile. So I was like so frustrated that I took my shoes off. Uh, to see if it would help. And like, I don't know, maybe a minute later, I was like, that was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Put my shoes back on and I kept just on walking. And I finally make it to my family at the pipeline there. Change shoes and, you know, feeling sad. And I know my my team, my family, they're like concerned. Mm -hmm. But no one says like stop or anything because that's not the goal. Right. And then I leave. And I want to say after two miles, everything turned around. And I was running like nothing happened. Your knee just stopped hurting? Yeah. Do you think it was the shoes? I think the shoes helped, yes. Okay. <laughs> Any suggestions on on shoes? or, or Got to try no? different things just yeah. in case. And you, you might have something that works really, really good. And unfortunately, that day, a, a race day, some might change, some might go wrong. So always have a plan B, just in case. Good. Do you might buy multiple pairs of the same shoe to you change? Know, you know, I heard that, you know, your feet can swell, right? So right. shoes that might feel great for the first 50 miles, you might need a half size bigger. Do you yes. do that? Yes. I actually use, um, but I use them all the time, one size bigger. A whole the, size bigger? All the time, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because last year I didn't have an extra pair of shoes. I don't know. I was just like, I knew something special was going to happen, and I'm glad it did. Wow, <laughs> wow. Um, how about some aid station tips for people helping racers? What's been helpful to you? You know, for me, just to see their support, it kind of makes my, I don't know, my feelings, you know, I almost want to get emotional to see all that support, mm-hmm. you know, so. Beyond just your family, just yeah. the, the groups and, of And even, even the, the, the staff that helps at the aid station, you know, like everybody that it's out there, it's cheering you and it's just a great feeling, mm-hmm. you know, it makes you feel like, I don't know, special, you know. You are, <laughs> you are special <laughs> yeah. in many ways. Well, but that type of special that people is like giving you love, you know, and yeah, it yeah. Makes, makes you feel good. I've supported many racers and many races, and it's a feeling of amazement Yeah, when we see racers coming through because it, it's a spectacular achievement. It just... It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
any major mechanical failures on your bike for the four lead men that you've done? You're knocking on wood. As of right now, no. <laughs> and, you know, I know I should put more time into learning how to fix stuff on my bike. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would struggle if I get a flat tire. I know I can fix it. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the expertise or the practice to do it efficiently. Mm-hmm. So luckily, all these four years, uh, it has been perfect. Keep knocking on wood. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what was the most fun race you've done? Um, there, Most of them are get special in a way. But I think for me that Leadville 100 last year has been the most special. The run? The run. And, you know, just finishing with that time alone, it's special. But when when we were coming back, I think it was, we were probably hiking power line. It wasn't even dark yet. And my pacer and I were, were hiking really fast and we passed a couple of other guys. And I get this great feeling that, I, I remember th- like kind of thinking, wow, this is how the elite runners feel because they know they're like finishing really, really good, really fast. And for me, that was super special, you know. Is it a is it a different kind of high? I mean, do you feel elated like you're floating? How do you feel? Try to describe it. Well, I, I don't know. I think I, I felt like I was invincible, you know, because I, I get to the top and there's this weird camp up on top of you know, power line that the locals have all the time. Right. Smokey was there and, mm-hmm. and he knew and I knew he was going to be there. He actually asked me if I wanted to, you know, get like a Sprite or something that he would save for me. And I was like, no, man, I, I'm just hoping that I can make it to you without my flashlight. And when he saw me, I didn't have my flashlight on yet. And he gives me a high five, you know, super happy. And I'm super happy. So... You know, everything uh, at that time, it was like magical and, and special. Mm-hmm. What's your goal for this year? Crazy goals, like I was saying. <laughs> you know, and it's the goals are always high. And and I, I read one time that if you achieve your goals all the time without a lot of work, it's because your goals are probably not that high. So I try to shoot high and, and hope that I get there. Um, I would really love to break 19, be closer to like 1845, 15 and a half. That would be like crazy. But, you know, that would be the, the crazy goal that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, the next goal, since I always have three, <laughs> um, improve my PR from last year. And I would be super happy with any of those two. <laughs> All right, nice. How many more lead men races are you going to compete in? I don't have a number yet. I know we talk a little bit about that uh, with the family because uh, it takes a lot of time from the wife, from the kids, uh, from work. So it gets tough. But what I have told them and what I have said, it's, as long as I can, I keep enjoying these events, I think I'm going to keep doing it. That probably means a year, five years, 10 years. I don't know, but I have to enjoy it to keep, to, to stay active and be doing this. All right. Are there any other physical feats of 
strength and endurance that you would like to compete in? You know, um, I'm not sure. I know I have to do more biking to be able to improve, and that would require going out of Leadville area. Because like you mentioned, I haven't even done the 50, and it's here. Uh, I have only done a few bike races uh, elsewhere. Wouldn't you think that you could do incredibly well on runs at lower elevation? I have done a couple runs in lower elevation and uh yes i it's it's pretty spectacular to to find out that you can do a lot better all right do you have any other tips for listeners out there anyone who might want to participate in the whole Leadman series or just the bike or just the run right yeah for sure i think one of the biggest um you know i i mentioned that the first three years it was everything by myself and i i saw that i got stuck on my results I wasn't getting that much faster. I wasn't getting slower. Uh, I did have a, a season where I was a little slower than the first uh, the first season that I finished Letterman. But once I finished my third season, uh, I knew I had to do something different, and I hired myself a coach. So for people out there that really wants to improve, that's the way to go. You know, do some research. There's a lot of great coaches out there. And, and I'm sure they're going to see results. If they really want it, they'll see results. And the other thing which I don't do that good, it's the diet. And I'm sure everybody talks about it, but putting it to practice. You know, if you really put it to practice, you'll see results. I, I, I'm one of those people that needs to put it on practice better. <laughs> um, practice meaning eat what you're going to eat for the race while you're training? Yeah, and, and not just, you know, overall, like your life, day-to-day food that you eat, mm-hmm. uh, kind of stay with the healthy stuff. Feed the machine. Yeah, yeah. Fuel, fuel the machine. You know, I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of, I'm a, a Mexican, so a lot of the Hispanic people, we don't need that healthy. We eat a lot of grease and stuff like that, you know, tacos, burritos. Anyway, our diet can get pretty bad, I suppose. I mean, it's not really, really bad, but it's not like people eating, you know, more um, veggies, more fruits, more organic stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, after a while, that might kind of impact your body if you're not giving it the right fuel. Well, I don't think it's affected you adversely. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I, I you need to start a new better. diet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rodrigo Jimenez, thank you very much for this time. And I wish you the best of luck with achieving all your goals this thank year you. and many successful injury-free lead men to come. Thank you. And that's one of the reasons why a coach will help. He'll keep you injury free because he'll know what to do all right and if anyone wants to contact you to know anything specific could they yes how would they get in touch with you should i put a link on my website or sure we can do that okay my info i will i will do that thank you very much thank you to my listeners out there 
You can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at leadvillelaurel.com. So check it out there. And if you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends about it. I hope you'll support me, my work. I'm a one-woman show here. So please think about going to patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves and see what rewards you will get for becoming a patron of my arts. Join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. And until then, I think we've already talked about goo, 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 go jam or something. But uh, I should have asked Rodrigo what he puts on his toast. Oh, well, I guess we'll just have to wonder. (laughs) Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com. Amazon.com.